Trade. Welcome back to The Trade. This is Gina Beck. This is Drew Williams. Thank you for listening, liking, commenting, and subscribing. We appreciate y'all, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts. It really means a lot. And like always, thank you again for the continued support, the continued engagement, and the hashtag BananaCats. Thank you, guys. How are you, Drew? I'm all right, G. How are you? I'm doing well. Doing well. Excited to get into this podcast this week. Yeah. Been missing you guys. This article I literally just stumbled across. It's titled Keeping Ohio Kids Safe and Shared Responsibility. I thought it'd be interesting to read because I haven't came across anything like this before. It says advocates hope their message of protecting kids being a shared responsibility will strike a chord with residents in Ohio during Child Abuse Prevention Month and beyond. Tim Schaffner, executive director of Trumbull County Children's Services, said there's a strong correlation between abuse or neglect and the challenges families face relate to employment, health care, mental health, and substance abuse. He noted generational trauma also is a factor. Parents learn to abuse by being abused themselves. And trauma has a far-reaching impact on the developing child and on really the functioning of adults in many areas. He said Ohio agencies are keeping kids safe and families together by removing the burdens that lead to abuse. Prevention strategies include connecting families with positive parenting programs, high quality early childhood education, primary health care, and behavioral health and substance abuse treatment. Trusted adults, including teachers and child care providers, often are relied on to report suspected cases of child abuse and neglect. He argued prevention really takes a village. It doesn't just take a few people, which is so true. It takes this kind of community awareness of child abuse and to see something, say something, how each of us can keep children safe and the availability and the knowledge of services to respond to trauma. The Everyday Ohio Heroes campaign celebrates the role trusted adults play in a child's life and honored eight Ohio residents this month for making a difference in child abuse prevention. That's amazing. Yeah, that's really cool that the community is coming together like that to look out, I mean, for the kids. I mean, that's what it should be all about, about, so. Exactly. It even ends on, for the first time, agencies in Ohio will be able to get federal funding for prevention services. The Family First Act will cover up to half of the costs of certain mental health, substance abuse, and parenting services for families of children at risk or entering foster care. I mean, that's what, what can you say bad about it? That any of that? I mean, that's it's all good stuff right there. I mean, it's sad that the events have to happen to to need those type of services, but the fact that they actually are having a community come together and it sounds like they're they have more. It's kind of what the uh, like combat veterans need. I mean, they need more focus on them specifically for them and it's cool to see programs surrounded just for the kids right like something i mentioned before is you know there's aa there's na there's a lot of things that are surrounded by substances right and it's free you can go to an aa meeting or na meeting and it's free and you can sit there and talk with people that have been through similar to the same things as you and or crazy different stories but at least they're being listened to and i think that's what people really go there for so why not have something like this and even more to where like people can come and talk about these traumatic events and it be free it's not people pay an arm and a leg for therapists and not everybody can afford a therapist and i went to a therapist when i was in high school and it helped a lot to be able to talk to somebody 
that didn't that didn't know me and like made me feel comfortable to open up it, it really was like a comforting feeling and when i stopped going you know you try to seek that in your friends and your loved ones stuff like that but it's a, it's a lot easier to open up to a stranger sometimes so especially in like a clinical setting cuz i mean they're basically like a doctor so you feel you feel more comfortable and you're not feeling as much judged you know what i mean like the repercussions of like what this family member is going to think cuz of this or that and knowing yeah knowing it's confidential for sure and like people don't, aren't talking crap behind your back right <laughs> and it's going through the grapevine to people you, you don't want to even know your personal business for sure so i understand that so if they had more I think of a a program that was like that. I think that would be that would help a lot of people. Absolutely. Good for them. That's a we'll definitely link that so everyone else can read that. Maybe they can see uh we'll have to look around and see just in our areas if there's anything similar. I wonder if it's like, you know, a domino effect or if they're the first one to be really pushing that or if there's some others and we just aren't looking. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to um, do a little quick update from our buddies over at American Crime Journal about Tim Ballard and Operation Underground Railroad. Damian Moore from American Crime Journal, he's done a really good job of breaking down Ken Packer's long videos into little pockets of information. They're still about 17, 20 minutes long. But they really break down the amount of corruption that's going on. And I'm going to read his description on the video, and we're going to leave the link and maybe just talk about it just a little bit. The title is The Expanding Criminal Investigation into OUR. In August 2019, Tim Ballard summoned his most trusted OUR associate and partners to a clandestine meeting which required each individual to sign a non-disclosure agreement. It was at this very meeting that Ballard laid out his secret plan to monetize his child sex slave rescue nonprofit, Operation Underground Railroad, and use his plan to proselytize pro prospective converts to the Mormon Church. On a whiteboard, he presented the strategy, each member's role, and the respective organizations such as the Nazarene Fund, Children Need Families, Liberty and Light, Equity Trust, and many others. Funneling donor money into his for-profit Slave Stealers LLC and how to launder donor money each step of the way by creating a labyrinth of non-profits and for-profit exchange money. Should his plan progress, he, and he was able to funnel through liquid cash into his personal bank accounts. Ballard would then open lost-cost, run-down LDS orphanages in Haiti. Ballard estimated he could make $20,000 per adoption to Mormon couples in America. Several of those in attendance at this secret meeting left in disgust, including for former OUR financier, millionaire Paul Hutchinson, and OUR ops team leader Dave Lopez. Unknown to Ballard until now, his criminal conspiracy, the witnesses, and the whiteboard are part of the Davis County District Attorney Attorney's criminal investigation into OUR. Its founder and CEO, Tim Ballard, and Utah Attorney General Sean Reyes. Ballard is fearing a, wider, a widening criminal investigation by the FBI, IRS, and international authorities has now threatened to retaliate. I recommend everyone to go watch this. It's pretty, 
it's just so much information to bring in and you don't want to believe it. You want to believe OUR is a superhero group and they're really not. It's basically a Ponzi scheme using a really sick subject to make money off of it and then adopt children and make money off of that. That's weird. It's just so many levels of weird. Right. We, we've clearly made it apparent that we just don't like this guy with a lot of uh, flowers and unicorn dust. We really just don't like him. Yeah, and you know, it's he still has his diehard fans. I mean, they're they're almost like Luca fans. I mean, they just and I always do- say that with everybody that comes with a platform, we'll always have someone that they can make become a victim in some way, whether it's giving them money or, you know, all the other stuff that we can't say here. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I don't know, just the whole... The orphanage thing, just really today when I was reading over this and watching the video, I'm just like, I mean, this is just a whole nother level of sick. Like, not only are you, like, pretending to rescue children, bringing people that are not equipped to do it on these fake missions, and then you're using it to open low-rent orphanages in Haiti, the poorest country in the Western world. Like, that's that's sick. (sighs) Yeah, uh, and he's getting away with it. Just like, you know, a lot of people get away with a lot of stuff for months and years and years and decades. Like, it's just, he's built an empire over a scam, is what it sounds like. Yeah, yep. (laughs) That's all really going to be said about that. So the next thing uh, we wanted to talk about, this is a New York Post. We'll definitely link it in the description about, you know, uh, our, what do I call her? Neighborly. I just, I, there's not really That's a nice. Supreme weirdo. There's not really a nice. The final boss of weirdos. I want to say. The neighborly woman trafficker. Like, you know, like that's what she is. Um, not funny. I'm just don't, there's nothing nice to say about this woman, but she plead, you know, Gislaine Maxwell or. Gislaine, whatever people want to call her, uh, pleads not guilty to new, you know, trafficking stuff that's coming about. I guess she pleaded not guilty Friday to the new trafficking raps as she appeared in person in Manhattan court. Her jet black hair graying at the roots, this article says, for some reason. For the first time since her July bust, the 59-year-old fallen British socialite and accused Jeffrey Epstein Madame wore a blue jail-issued t-shirt and ankle shackles, looking slightly thinner than her previous court appearance, which was held by video last summer. Maxwell has claimed that she's lost hair and weight from the trauma of being behind bars. Aww. So, poor her, right? Friday, her usually smartly cropped hair was down to her shoulders. The suspect's latest court appearance involved two additional charges, trafficking of a minor and trafficking conspiracy slapped against her last month after a new accuser came forward alleging she was just 14 years old when the socialite recruited her for her pal Epstein. Maxwell was previously pleaded not guilty to six other counts. She now faces up to 80 years behind bars. Should be more. 
If convicted of all the charges, the disgraced socialite addressed the judge three times during Friday's hearing, including saying she had read the indictment against her and she was waived the right to have it read in court. Maxwell's lawyer, Bobby Sternheim, Bobby Sternheim, really? <laughs> what a lawyer, right? Entered a plea of not guilty on her behalf. The fallen Harris removed what? What? Harris. <laughs> it's like a Harris. You know, like like Paris Hilton is a Harris to the Hilton. Okay. Okay. Removed her white mask twice, once before the hearing and once after, to take a drink from her water bottle that her lawyer brought for her. Before she was hauled away, Maxwell waved to a handful of supporters who came to support her, including her sister, Isabel. After the hearing, Maxwell's brother, Ian Maxwell, said in a videotaped statement that the federal prosecutors were scapegoating her for crimes that Epstein committed. She was only charged after the government allowed a dreadful man to die in their custody, he said. Maxwell has been held without bail at the Metropolitan Detention Center in Brooklyn since her arrest last year, and she and her lawyers have repeatedly complained about the onerous conditions of her incarceration. They say the daughter of the late disgraced media titan Robert Maxwell subjected to strip searches, awakened every 15 minutes by flashlight, and given nearly nothing to eat. In December, Sternheim wrote to Manhattan Federal Court Judge Allison Nathan that the conditions have led to her client losing more than 15 pounds and shedding her hair. Jail officials have denied the claim, saying Maxwell has repeatedly left her cell a mess, including by not flushing her toilet. Maxwell has since petitioned an appeals court in an effort to be sprung on $28.5 million bail, a request that's already been denied by a district court judge three times. The ex-socialite is accused of recruiting and grooming at least four teenage girls from 1994 to 2004 to be abused by Epstein, her one-time boyfriend. The two new charges relate to another victim who claims she was abused by the multimillionaire Epstein in the early 2000s, according to the indictment. The unidentified victim was paid hundreds of dollars by the pair to engage in you know, acts with Epstein at his sprawling Florida mansion, the indictment states. As part of the recruitment, Maxwell allegedly sent gifts to the victim, including lingerie from an address in New York. The pair also allegedly encouraged the girl to recruit other underage victims for Epstein to, you know what, if convicted of the charges, Maxwell faces a maximum of 45 years in federal prison said a rep of the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York. Her trial is set to begin July 12th. Well, I uh, feel absolutely no sympathy for her at all. It sounds like the federal prosecutors got a lot of evidence on her because the bills they're offering, what, like $28.6 to get her out on bail, and they denied it three times, so... They obviously think she's a flight risk. Let's pray she uh, she makes it to the 12th and makes it through all the trial and everything. Right. And this stuff about her weight and her hair is just a, a pity me type thing. Don't you think? It was really oddly worded for a New York Post article. Like, it was very, like, focusing on her... Like, kind of, yeah, like, trying to make you feel kind of sorry for her. And it's like, I don't feel sorry for this lady. 
Yeah. Or she like she's trying to do that herself also, trying to make others notice those things and feel sorry for her. Or it's just her own stress eating her away. You know, that's what happens. Like, welcome to the real world, you know, like where yeah. you pay for what you've done. Like you're sitting and rotting in a jail cell for a reason. It's karma. It's exactly. Big time karma. And uh this actually leads me to something that so well it's it's sentencing and karma, I guess. So back, I think this guy was arrested in 2018. This is from the Central Coast here in California. Um, this was reported on the 26th. Uber driver sentenced to 46 years to life for rape, burglary involving five Central Coast women. San Luis Obispo County District Attorney Dan Dow announced that a former Uber driver has been sentenced to 45 years to life in prison, plus eight years and eight months, for numerous crimes against five women he had driven home. 42-year-old Alfonso Alcorn Nunez was found guilty of 13 felonies in March, including three counts of assault with intent to commit rape during a residential burglary, four counts of burglary of an occupied resident, one count of rape by force, two counts of rape of an intoxicated individual, one count of oral copulation of an intoxicated individual, one count of assault with intent to commit rape, and one count of grand theft. These crimes were reportedly committed between July 2017 and January 2018, while Nunez served as a driver in both San Luis Obispo and Santa Barbara counties. The DA's office said four of the five victims were local college students. Dow explained that the three of these courageous survivors provided powerful statements to the court describing the impact the crimes had on their lives. One 19-year-old survivor reportedly said she used to live in the happiest place in America, which is San Luis Obispo, until being victimized in her own home. She noted that the conviction and the sentencing provides a chance for justice. Another survivor applauded support of her family and others for helping her heal, concluding that she is a good person with a bright future who refuses to let the defendant's cowardly actions control her life. One final survivor, survivor credited her family and her counselors, providing her support and a degree of comfort and knowing that she is not alone. The jury reached their verdict after nearly two weeks of testimony and one and a half days of deliberation. We acknowledge the courage of these five survivors in providing their testimony and evidence necessary to achieve justice, said District Attorney Dan Dow. Their voices were heard loud and clear by the jury. The defendant's predatory actions decisively illustrate that he is not safe to be in our, out in our community, and with his imprisonment, we'll be able he will be unable to victimize anyone again. Nunez was arrested in January 2018 and entered a plea of not guilty. During a press conference later that month, Dow stated that Nunez was an undocumented immigrant from Mexico and had been voluntarily deported from New Mexico in 2005. Um, I mean, it took a long time for sentencing. Court takes a while, but there's karma coming you back. That guy's going to rot forever. That's something that a lot of people should understand is things are like it's a process. Like as fast as you want someone put away or done with or canceled, like it's just it's all a process. Well, it's with. I mean, that's why lawyers get paid what they do. They can you know push back and appeals and all those type of things. You know, play all those different games and yeah. Let's say that all of it. There's there are defense attorneys defending good people too, but. This is obviously a terrible person, and it looks like 
the law caught up to him, which is good to see. And it's good to see that he's getting prosecuted properly, especially in California. It's usually these type of people get underpunished. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag more punishment for predators. Thank you for listening, liking, commenting, and subscribing. Until next time, Banana Cats. Banana Cats. Much love. Peace.